Welcome to Mark Connor's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au. Excellent. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Great to be here today. Thank you for your welcome. What a great church. Wasn't talking about the building. It's a really nice building. I was talking about you. I'll give you one more chance. What a great church. Come on. The, the, the best church should be the one that you're a part of. And so uh, it's really good to be here at Discovery. If you're visiting, welcome. My name is Mark Connor and a real privilege to share with you today. Hope you had a good Christmas and holiday season and that the new year has started really well for you. Uh, Most of us have probably flown on an airplane somewhere in our life, and if you haven't, you've probably seen one on television. And before an airplane takes off, uh, how many remember that safety spiel that everyone gives a lot of attention to? (laughs) Somewhere in the safety spiel, there's this little phrase, in case of an emergency, an oxygen mask will fall down, and who do you put it on? Yourself. Have you ever thought about how selfish that is? You think if it was a Christian pilot, it would say, put it on your neighbor first. Why put it on yourself? I think the point is, unless you're breathing, you're not much good to anybody. Looking after yourself is actually really, really important. The Apostle Paul picks this up a couple of times in his writings. Let's look at Galatians 6 verse 9 this morning. Uh, Paul says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You know, most of us in this room today, as we think about 219, we're all going to be doing good things. I mean, none of us are bank robbers, drug dealers, or terrorists, right? Just checking. Our problem will not be whether we're doing good things, but, you know, as we're all doing good things this year, our big danger is that we could become weary. The word weary means faint or discouraged or fatigued. Can you see that looking after yourself is actually really important as we go about doing all the good that we'll be doing this year? Uh, we pick this up again in Romans 12:11. Paul says, "Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord." All of us will be serving this year. We'll be using our gifts and our talents and our abilities to uh, help the church, to serve in our community and our neighborhoods, our families, our workplaces, our schools. We're all going to be contributing, hopefully, this year. But as we serve the Lord, it's easy to lose our zeal. And our fervency. In the Message Bible, it says, don't burn out. Some of you came looking for a prophecy today. Here's your prophecy. Don't burn out. Thank you for that underwhelming response. (laughs) Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert, servants of the master. Can you see here that looking after yourself is really, really important. It's great to serve the Lord, but is there a fire on the inside? Is there a zeal? Is there enthusiasm? That's not going to stay lit unless you take care of yourself. Uh, Paul had probably his greatest revival in the city of Ephesus. He was there for three years. The whole region was impacted. And after three years, he felt to move on. And so he gathered the elders together, and he had some final words to them. We don't have it on DVD, but someone took some notes. And so let's have a look at a few things that he said to these elders. Acts 20 verse 28 says this, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock 
of which the Holy Spirit has made you oversee. This is a very interesting verse for leaders or those of you who have a business or in a position of responsibility. It's very easy to give all of your energy to looking after others, the flock, the customers, the people, the members of your small group. It's very easy to be so busy looking after others we neglect ourselves. Paul says, keep watch over yourselves and the flock. Notice the priority. Looking after yourself is really, really important. Self-care is not selfish. Self-care is not selfish. In fact, the big idea of today's message, coming up on the next slide, is this. The very best gift you can give those around you is you being a healthy person. The very best gift you can give your family, your friends, your church, your workplace, this world is you being a healthy person, looking after yourself. And of course, being healthy doesn't just happen. Health is the result of some certain habits. And so if you're taking notes, today's message title is Habits of Healthy Living. And as we go through these habits, look, they're pretty simple. They're pretty basic. Uh, But C.S. Lewis once said, we need to be reminded more than we need to be instructed. In other words, we already know a lot of things. Uh, John Maxwell said, most Christians are educated beyond the level of their obedience. Everyone say, ouch. (laughs) Let's be honest, we know a lot of things, and so today's message is not going to be a whole bunch of new things you've never heard before, but hopefully a reminder of some things we already know and some help to implement these into our life. So we're going to look at some habits of healthy leaders. How does that sound? Going to do it anyway, but I thought I'd just (laughs) check with you today. First habit, number one, is to retreat regularly. Sounds a little bit paradoxical, to retreat regularly. Uh, You know, Jesus didn't just come to die on the cross for the salvation of the world. Jesus came to show us how to live life. And sometimes I think when we read the Gospels, we think Jesus is this ministry machine going 24-7, teaching, preaching, praying for the sick, healing people, casting out demons, just going all the time. But if you actually slow down as you read the Gospels and read the narrative between the miracles and between the meetings, you'll find Jesus had a habit of retreating regularly. Let's look at a couple of examples. Uh, Matthew 14, 23. After Jesus dismissed the crowd. Isn't that an interesting line? After Jesus dismissed the crowd, time to go home, good night everybody, thanks for coming, meeting's over, Jesus dismissed the crowd, set some boundaries in his life, and he went up to a mountainside by himself to pray, and when evening came, he was there alone. This is not a rare occurrence. You'll find this all through the Gospels. Another example, Mark 1.35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Why was Jesus doing this? I think it was part of his connection to the Father. 
It was a way for him to replenish himself after giving out so intensely. I think it was also a way to gain perspective for his life. Uh, It's interesting how Jesus loved the water. He loved to go to the lake, something therapeutic about water. He also loved the mountainside. Great to get up above everything and just kind of see. Uh, If you're involved in business, you might have heard the funny story of the difference between leaders and managers. Uh, There's this group of people cutting through a jungle, and the managers are all there, and they've got all the rosters happening. They've got the machetes nice and sharp. They've got uh, refreshments for the workers. They've got... um, everything happening, everything's moving, and they're making great progress. They're moving through the jungle, and and the managers are just excited. This project's going really well. The the leader is the person who climbs a tree, looks around and goes, whoops, wrong jungle. (laughs) But the managers go, but we're making such progress. Now, what's the point? That sometimes life can be a jungle. How many know the question is not, will 2019 be busy? That's not the question. Life can be a jungle. There's just so much to do. There's not enough time to fit everything in. And so every now and then we need to climb a tree to get out of all the busyness and all of the activity. Climb a tree and go, am I heading in the right direction? See, we live our life by the clock, don't we? What time is it? And the clock kind of rules. But but there's another instrument called a compass. How many know what a compass is? A compass is not about speed, it's about direction. How many know if you're going really fast in the wrong direction? You're actually not that effective. Why is Jesus pulling aside? I think part of it is it's his climb a tree routine. And sometimes he'd come back and say to the disciples, they go, where you been? We're looking for you. He says, time to move to the next town. Where did he get that perspective? By pulling aside. And so what does this look like for you? Life is going to be busy. If you're going to be uh, healthy this year, you need some kind of habit of pulling aside. Uh, Time magazine recently said the number one condition of our age is something called distraction. We're not only busy, but we're constantly distracted. And the answer to distraction, according to this Time magazine article, is something called mindfulness. Anyone heard of mindfulness? big trend today. Meditation, taking time to be still, to reflect, contemplate. Now, if that sounds a little new agey to you, or maybe like a Buddhist doing some Zen stuff, uh, we need to look to the Bible. Let me give you an interesting scripture in Genesis 24, verses 63. Have a read of this with me. One evening, as Isaac was walking and meditating, everyone say meditating, meditating in the fields, he looked up and saw the camels coming. This is a couple hundred years before Buddha lived, just for your awareness. Isaac's the son of Abraham. Abraham was a very wealthy man, one of the most wealthiest men men of his time. He had a huge family, huge herds, huge livestock, uh, was possibly a trader in the Middle East at this time. So Isaac has a busy life. It's not like he's got nothing to do. It says Isaac was walking and meditating in the fields. He saw the value of pulling aside from all the busyness, all the activity, and just reflecting. And so what what could this look like for you this year? Maybe on a daily basis, just before you run off to work, to take a few minutes and just begin the day in stillness, in prayer, in reflection. What about at the end of the day, instead of just crashing, actually pausing and going, how did today go? 
What went well? What didn't go well? What would I do differently if I had today all over again? This is a retreating practice. See, experience is not the greatest teacher. It's only experience that you reflect on that becomes insight and that we learn. How many know some people just go through the same experience over and over again? Not in this room, but other places. What about reflecting daily? What about weekly? Um, best book on productivity, getting things done, David Allen. He recommends an hour appointment with yourself at least once a week. Look back. How did last week go? And what does the next week look like? What about every year? Have you taken time to reflect on 218? What's going to be different this year? This habit of retreating is vital to our personal health. And if you're waiting for everything to be done before you retreat, you'll never retreat. In fact, it's, it's actually hard because stopping sometimes feels like you're, you're actually not making progress. Uh, when our kids were little, um, we used to drive all the way to Mackay, Queensland. That's a long drive. And uh, visit Nicole's parents who live there. You know it's going to be a long trip when you're just going through yay. And one of the kids go, can we see Queensland yet? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, one of the things on a long trip that I hated to do was to stop for petrol. Come on, are you laughing at me or with me? Because while I'm filling up all of those caravans, semi-trailers, slowpokes that I've been meticulously passing are now passing me. Come on, feel the annoyance. I always wish someone could make a way to fill up with petrol without stopping. Wouldn't that be great? But the truth is, if you don't stop, if you don't refuel, you're not going to make the distance. So, for you to be a healthy person in 219, what does it look like to have a habit, a ritual of retreating on a regular basis? For perspective, you mentioned the word clarity today, uh, Matt. You know, if you've got a muddy bucket, uh, how do you get clarity? If you just splash it around with a bunch of frenetic activity, it's not going to help. But if you'll just be still and wait... The mud will settle to the bottom and clarity will come. That's what some of you need today. You don't need more activity. You actually need stillness to gain the clarity you're looking for. What does retreating look like for you? First habit. Second habit, number two, is to deal with your internal stress. To deal with your internal stress. Let's face it, stress is just kind of part of life today. And there's a lot of external stress that just comes with our world. I was in church work, as Matt mentioned, for 30 plus years. And anyone in church work, um, work is never done. Sundays kind of come around about every seven days. Uh, it's relentless. In fact, if you listen to Talkback Radio on Friday, someone's saying, thank God it's Friday. Most pastors are going, oh God, it's Friday. You know, <laughs> Sundays are coming and a lot happens between Sundays. There's no boundaries. Uh, not everyone likes you, which is really surprising because we're amazingly nice people. Um, and so there's all this external stress that comes in church life, but also in all of our lives. But it's not the external stress that's the most dangerous. It's the internal stress that we carry with us that can cause the most problem. Let me share an illustration around this. On to the next slide. This is a picture of me when I was a lot younger. I had um, <laughs> bright red hair. 
Imagine you have 100 coping units of stress. We all have different capacity, but let's say you have 100 coping units of stress. That means you can handle 100 units of stress before you go over the edge. 101, <laughs> and you've lost it. Uh, that's your capacity. But onto the next slide. Imagine if you're using 80 units of your 100 coping units on internal stress. How much external stress can you handle? 20. It's not rocket science. 21, and you're over the edge. Have you ever seen someone who a little thing happened to them and they lost it, and you went, what was up with that? Maybe it was you. <laughs> Could I suggest it wasn't the little thing, it's the fact that the little thing was one thing too many. Where does internal stress come from? Thanks for asking. Let me give you three sources of internal stress. Number one is unrealistic expectations. Number two is negative emotions. And number three is unresolved conflicts. Unrealistic expectations. Every one of us in this room, myself included, we have some unrealistic expectations about God, about people, about ourselves, about others, and it creates stress for us. Secondly, negative emotions, things like anger, worry, fear, resentment, jealousy. Ever got a shopping trolley with one wheel that wasn't working? Come on. <laughs> How annoying is that? Maybe yesterday, huh? Ah, oh, it's so hard. It's squeaking. You're squealing. You know, one negative emotion is like that on the inside of you. It takes energy. And then thirdly, unresolved conflicts. Ever met someone who was offended 10 years ago, but it's like it happened yesterday? It takes a lot of energy to keep that offense alive. Just think about the energy that's being used just keeping that conflict alive. And so what do we do about this? Well, get some, un get some realistic expectation. How many know God doesn't answer yes to every prayer? Three of us know that. We all know that. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says slow. Sometimes he says grow. It's not always go. It's not always yes. Just get some realistic expectations of God. People, how many know? People are not perfect. You discovered that yet? They let us down. They don't always turn up on time. A lot of people run on Christian standard time. <laughs> always a little late, you know? Just realistic expectation about people, ourselves. Here's a question. When the day finishes, do you look at what you haven't done or what you have done? A lot of people finish today looking at all the things they haven't completed and they have no joy because they've had unrealistic expectations about what they could actually achieve in the day. Just adjusting our expectations. Problems. I remember when I became the senior minister at City Life, Matt, my goal was to have a moment in time where every problem was solved. And I discovered I'd solve one set and a new set had arrived. Just had to adjust my expectations that life is a process of dealing with problems and issues. And one's fixed and there'll be something else coming. Our expectations are very important. What about negative emotions? Well, you know, those emotions are indicators. They're not your enemy. You know, if you're driving home today and the red light or the orange light comes up on your dashboard of your car, don't get the hammer out and smash it and say, I rebuke you, you negative thing in Jesus' name. <laughs> How many know the red light, the orange light, is your friend? It's getting your attention that something under the hood needs dealing with. And emotions are like that. You're feeling anger, you're feeling resentment, you're feeling annoyance. Don't ignore those emotions. They need attending to. 
get the oil of the Holy Spirit on that stuck wheel and process that anger, process that fear, process that anxiety. And you know what? Sometimes we need help doing this. If you get stuck, don't stay stuck. Funny story. Um, my wife and I, a few years ago, were on a day off driving out by Cardinia Reservoir, and we were driving down this dirt road, and you always see kangaroos out that way. We saw a couple of emus, which you don't always see, and so we're driving this dirt road, and we saw three or four emus. We said, hey, let's stop. Let's have a look. So we stopped, and I backed up to the side without realizing there was a ditch about a meter and a half, and so the car just kind of slid and stopped, and so we were in trouble. Um, Nicole um, got out and directed me, and so I went forward, but we slipped. <laughs> then I went backwards, and we slipped some more. We were in trouble. Uh, so who do you call? Not Ghostbusters, man. Come on. Who do you call? RACV. Thank God for the RACV. Called the RACV, and we had about a half an hour wait, in which we had some intense fellowship about my... <laughs> my driving skills. <laughs> Old beat-up four-wheel drive came around the corner, and a guy stopped, a couple of teeth missing, and we said, oh, we're just waiting for the RECV. He says, I am the RECV. <laughs> you know, this, this is rural RECV. So anyway, he got his rope onto our car, bang, we're out of there. You, you know how embarrassing that was for me as a guy? Come on. To call the RECV and... But you know what? If I hadn't have called... I'd still be there. If you get stuck, emotion, stuff on the inside of you, it's okay to say, I, I need to see a pastor. I need to see a counselor. I need a bit of help. Don't leave these things unresolved. And then resol unresolved conflicts, well, do your best to resolve them. I mean, they're inevitable. How many know every workplace, every church has what we could call Mr. and Mrs. Sandpaper? <laughs> Come on, if you're sitting by them today, just look straight ahead. These are people that rub you the wrong way. They're everywhere. And here's a tip. You can leave your job. You can even leave this church and go to another church. They have cousins everywhere. <laughs> they do. They're everywhere. Now, I'm not saying stay in an abusive situation, but sometimes the issue is not getting away from them, but God, what are you wanting to do through them in me? Have you discovered that character develops in the situation opposite to the character quality? I'm very patient when I'm not waiting for people. <laughs> I'm incredibly forgiving when no one's offended me. And, and so what can I learn from this conflict? And how can I deal with this conflict? Now, just for a bit of fun today, there's different ways we uh, handle and respond to conflict. Uh, let's use a few animals. Firstly, there's the teddy bears amongst us. Teddy bears, coming up on the screen, are people who want to be liked at all costs. They'll actually give up their goal, give up their desires just to maintain the relationship. There are teddy bears amongst us. Number two, some people are turtles when it comes to conflict. They just pull their head in until all the dust settles. They give up on the relationship and their goals. They hate conflict. Uh, fourthly, there are sharks in the room today. These are people who love a good argument, and they go on the attack, and it's win at all costs. And often they do, but usually with some blood on the floor. You know who you are. The sharks amongst us. And then fourthly, there's the wise owl. The owl tries to keep the relationship and also focus on the issue and maintain their goal. Just out of interest, where are all the teddy bears? 
Where's all the turtles? Under the chair. Where's all the sharks? Okay. Where's all the owls? Yeah, everyone's an owl. Everyone wants to be an owl. Sure you are. <laughs> Interesting point. We all have a fallback position. Many a teddy bear that you push into the corner can morph into a shark. Ever seen a quiet person suddenly lose it? You pushed them too far. And many a shark who doesn't get their way can morph into a, t a turtle and go and sulk in the corner. So, it's an interesting lunchtime conversation with your family and friends. Which animal are you, and how do you relate to a shark? Someone said, get a bigger shark. <laughs> There's actually a fifth animal coming on the screen now. It's the fox. The fox is a very sly, skillful manager and realizes that not every situation calls for the same response. Sometimes just be a teddy bear. Sometimes just pull your head in. Sometimes be a little aggressive. No, no, be a little assertive. <laughs> Paul said, did you know I'm a Roman citizen? What's he doing? He's asserting himself. It's okay to be assertive. Not aggressive, assertive. Sometimes be a, 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 an owl. Different situations call for different responses. On to the next slide. Jesus said, if your brother or sister sins, go. Everyone say go. And the Greek word, the original meaning of the English word go in the Greek language is go. <laughs> no, this is deep for Sunday morning. It doesn't mean pray. It doesn't mean pass it on. It means go. This is probably the most disobeyed command of Jesus. And if we could just go and seek to resolve our conflicts. Uh, you know, when my boys were younger and they were fighting, whose side was I on? As a father, you know what? I'm not on either of their sides. I'm going, stop fighting! Your brothers! Now, who hit who? Who took what? The relationship is more important to me than the issues. I think that's how God sees us as his church family. Let's value relationships over being right. Let's value being reconciled over the issues that we may have. As we do these things, we can deal with our internal stress. Here's the challenge for 219, to keep your internal stress as low as possible so you have incredible capacity to handle the pressures that come with life. Everyone said amen. Amen. All right, number three. We're doing an hour message in 35 minutes today, so keep your seatbelts fastened. Number three is to keep growing. You know, when you're growing and learning, there's a joy uh, in life. When you're not growing, when you're not learning, when you're stagnant, we start to get a bit stale. Life becomes a bit routine. So growing is another way to keep healthy. Uh, let's look at this verse in 1 Timothy 4. Paul says to young Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but be an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, to teaching. Don't neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message. When the body of elders laid their hands on you, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your, say the word with me. Progress. The Christian life is meant to be a life of progress. Uh, a year from now, will you be the same person or will you have progressed? How many know some people grow old but never grow up? Don't just be a year older next February. Let people see progress in your life. How's that going to happen? Uh, Paul's saying to Timothy, here's some things to work on. 
read the scripture, work on your preaching, work on your teaching, don't neglect your gifts, look at that prophetic word you're giving, being diligent. As Timothy does all these things to grow personally, people are going to go, wow, have you seen Timothy lately? Boy, he's growing, he's maturing. People are seeing progress because he's attending to his own growth. And it's the same for you and I. I love basketball. Pat Riley, NBA coach, once said this, excellence is the gradual result of always striving to do better. We don't arrive at excellence. We take the journey. I I used to be involved in worship ministry years ago, and I remember the first time in youth group, my youth pastor had me on the piano, and I was nervous. I had all the music in front of me, and I was following every note, and God helped the meeting if the fan blew the music off. I was locked to the music. I did that for many, many months. And then eventually I learned to just look at the chord symbols and relax a little bit and improvise. And then after doing that for a long season, I memorized the song. I actually looked around and said, oh, there's people in the meeting. (laughs) But see, you don't arrive there. The team up here today, this wasn't the first time they've sung or played. You don't see the journey they've taken to arrive at the excellence they have. And so it's the same in your life. The question is not being intimidated by people ahead of you, but where are you today and how could you take the next step to grow in your gifts and abilities, whether it's reading a book or coming to a seminar or training, keep growing. It's a great way to keep healthy. Two more habits before we wrap this up. Number four is to develop healthy relationships. It's a key part of being a healthy person. See, we were created for community. Uh, There's an interesting little shift in the narrative in Genesis 1 and 2. Uh, Every day God creates something. At the end of the day, he says, it's good. Next day, it's good. At the end of six days, after he's created humans, he goes, it's very good. So you got good, 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 very good. Then when you get to Genesis 2, there's a little phrase where God says, it's not good. So we've got good, very good, something's not good. Now, we're not at Genesis 3. There's no sin in the world, but something's not good. And God says, it's not good that man be alone. See, Adam wasn't lonely. He had lots of animals. He walked with God in the evening. He wasn't lonely, but he was alone. And as a single, solitude human being, he could not reflect the nature of God. See, the God we worship is one God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the first small group, if you will. God is that loving community. And so as an individual, Adam could not reflect the nature of God. So God made Eve. It wasn't just about marriage and family. It was about community. No one is meant to do life alone. And so what does it look like for you this year to develop healthy friendships Uh, relationships in many ways are spatial. Jesus had thousands of people that he connected with. He had 70 disciples who he was training. He had 12 who were like his small group. Of the 12, he had three close friends, Peter, James, and John. And we're told that John was his best friend, although John is the one telling us that, so maybe the others (laughs) felt the same too. Who's the crowd? Who are your acquaintances? Who's your small group? Who are your friends? We all need these relationships. Let's look at an interesting story in Matthew 26, verses 36 to 38. Jesus went with them, that's the 12, to the olive grove called Gethsemane. He said, sit here while I go over there to pray. And he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John. So we've got 
12, and then he takes the three, and he became anguished and distressed. One translation says sorrowful and troubled, and he told them, my soul is crushed with grief. I'm overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Could you stay here and keep watch with me? It's an amazing insight to the life of Jesus. He's not talking to the crowd. He's not talking to the 70. He's got the 12. He takes three of his closest friends. He says, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Now, you kind of think Jesus would have said, hey, guys, it's going to get a little tough, but not worry. But I'm going to kick the devil's butt, be back in three days. It's all good. Jesus models incredible authenticity and openness and says, I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Have you got someone in your life who ever says, how are you doing? Really? And has the time to listen? We all need safe people. And that only comes through cultivating friendships and relationships and building the time and the investment so we can be those safe people for one another. So relationships are vital. Don't do life alone this year. Move towards community. Just a little tip. How well did they do in supporting Jesus? They fell asleep in Jesus' prayer meeting. I mean, come on, that's one prayer meeting you shouldn't fall asleep in. And people don't always know how to respond to our openness, vulnerability, but Jesus is modeling something. Authenticity actually leads to closeness in our friendships and relationships. One final habit, number five, is to keep yourself healthy and fit. This is our physical being. First Thessalonians 5, 22 to 23. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Your physical health is also vital. How does that happen? Getting a good night's sleep. Uh, we're told that we need seven to eight hours sleep a night, not four to five. Sleep is like a bank account. You can make deposits, have a few late nights, a few early mornings, but if you don't, withdrawal, sorry, but if you don't make some deposits, things are going to bounce. We need sleep. Jesus slept. He even took a nap occasionally in the day. Exercise. Our bodies are made for movement. Jesus walked everywhere. Occasionally took an Uber donkey. But he was moving. (laughs) Our bodies are made for movement. You know, the number one problem in the Western world today is something called sitting. It's okay, don't stand up just yet. We sit on average eight hours a day, and it's killing us. We need to move. Exercise is vital. Uh, The food that we eat, imagine your car into the petrol tank. Instead of putting petrol, you put cordial and gravel and stones and acid, all this stuff. How many know eventually your car's going to break down? Come on, work with me. It's going to break down. Now, when it breaks down, you can lay hands on it and go, in Jesus' name, I rebuke this spirit of sickness. Be healed. Can God heal your car? Of course he can. He can do anything. Will God heal your car? Probably not. Now, what's the point? If we're putting stuff into our body we were never meant to run on and it starts to break down, it's just... Common sense. It's not as common today. Uh, New York Times best-selling book right now, uh, Dr. Michael Greger. The title of the book is called How Not to Die. (laughs) He looks at the 13 leading causes of death today and scientifically proves that all of them are caused by what we're eating. All of them can be prevented by what we're eating. All of them can be reversed by what we're eating. What he's saying is we're all going to die. Why die of something that you could prevent? Just a thought. 
for some of you today. Rest, taking some time off. Like rubber bands, we're all designed to be stretched, but if you stretch and never relax, you'll eventually crack. In the Old Testament, if you didn't keep the Sabbath, they killed you. Today, we just kill ourselves by going and going and going and never stopping, never resting. So your physical health and well-being is also vital. So let's wrap this up. Here's our five habits coming up on the screen now. Uh, The best gift you can give people in your world this year is you being healthy. Here are five habits. Quick assignment. I want you to give yourself a score from one to ten on each of these habits. Ten being you should write a book on this. One being you've got some work to do. No negative numbers. Just keep it between one and ten. Uh, Do that in your head right now. Come on, just gut reaction. How would you score yourself on these five areas? You'll have five numbers. Your highest number, you're good at that. Why is that? How could you help others? Your lowest number, what could you do over the next few weeks to, to improve, to lift this area in your life? And then as the prophet Nike says, just do it. Just do it. I've learned this in life. Next slide. What you tolerate, you'll never change. What you tolerate, you'll never change. And so no sermon changes you. Uh, You can smile and laugh and enjoy today. It's only what you do with what you hear that changes your life. And so my prayer today is that 2019 would be a year when your health, your vibrancy, your vitality, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, mentally, physically, is the best it's ever been. That won't happen by accident. That'll happen by intentionality. And as you do so, you'll be a blessing to those around about you. Everyone agreed and said amen? Amen. Amen. As the worship team comes, let me pray for you this morning. God, it's so good to be at Discovery today, a church with a a great heritage, a great past, and yet so many wonderful things happening today and an amazing future. Thank you for Matt and Jody and all the team. Bless them today. And for this church, we pray that 2019 would be a fruitful year. And as each one of us take care of ourselves, it's not selfish to look after ourselves, And so today my goal is not that people go away with another five things to do. We're already busy. But that one thing that you spoke to them about today, would you give them the courage? Would you give them the uh, intentionality and the discipline to, to grow in that particular area? And as they do, they will flourish this year. And everyone else in their world will better, will be better off because they're embracing these habits of healthy living In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au.
Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.